It is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, and we are uh, doing Deuteronomy on Wednesday night, so if you're not already there, you should be at chapter 17. Now, at the end of 16 is where things start to change, and it's talking about leadership not, not just any leadership, but it's talking about leadership of a society, which would be government. What? We shouldn't be talking about government and church. What about separation of church and state? But our Bible talks a whole lot about government. And what, where is it in Romans? Is it Romans... 13.1, and it's, it talks about uh, uh, God is the one who places governments, and we are to be subject to them. But it is 13. <laughs> so, beware of government. And if you have a society that does not have God-fearing people in the government, you're going to have trouble. So there's so many religious people who think they're doing a good thing by avoiding government. But take any place on this earth where government falls and there is no government, then every person will do what is right in their own eyes and things will be chaotic. It'll be extremely dangerous. And the weaker you are, the more vulnerable you are. So a little kid would be very vulnerable. Women are very vulnerable in, a, in a, any place on this earth where they have no government. Because men are evil. And men will do bad things when they know nothing will happen to them. Right? So we got to have government. Now, we don't like it a lot of times, but it's important that it's there. And God does set up governments. Now, when the nation of Israel, so Judah gets taken into Babylon, they're under a government. And it was a hideous government, but it was better than nothing. And God set that up as punishment for the nation of Israel who did not do what Moses has been telling them to do all through this, what we've been studying in Deuteronomy. So, we've got to back up just a little bit from 17, and we are going to talk, uh, I'm going to uh, read, eight, I'm going to start at 18 of 16 to get a running start into 17. Judges and officers. Notice the wording here. Pay very close attention to the scriptures and the choice of words. And, you know, a lot of us, we want to read the Bible, and that's great, and we just read it to read it. And you're rushing through it trying to say, I've read it. Uh, but sometimes you really need to slow down and pay attention to each and every word and ask yourself, why, did, why was that word used? And you'll start, to see, you'll start to see the deeper meaning of the word. 
So it's talking about government officials here. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates. Now, you would read right by gates, but what does a gate mean in the Old Testament of the Bible? Huh? It's an entrance to a city, but more importantly, it's where the courts is. Remember, Lot sat at the gate of Sodom because he was one of the leaders of the city. So if you're sitting... It went, remember um, Boaz, when he went to talk about uh, being the kinsman redeemer, but there was somebody ahead of him, and he had to do, go through the right process, and that would have been at the gate of the city. So just think of the gate as being the government building that you would have to go to. A court, maybe a place for the assembly of the leaders. So when you see gate, if you don't know that, you'll miss the, the, uh, how many times gate is used through, through all of this. So gate is a very important word when it comes to government, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doeth blind the eyes of the wise, and pervert the words of the righteous. Now we, t- we got into all of that last week, and just any person to be a judge is not a good idea. They really need to qualify. And what qualifies a person to be a good judge? Depends on who you ask. But I would say somebody who thinks that God will punish them if they do something wrong. Right? That's, you want to have that type of person as a judge or a, any kind of politician. You know, it's, it feels like I'm doing a really bad thing by saying politician from up here. Because politicians seem to be horrible. But we elect the people to represent us. And we need to be looking at, do they honor God in things? And that's who we should vote for. We should want to put in. And if they're not there, then we should pick somebody within our church to go run. And I'm not talking about President of the United States. I'm talking about local stuff. That's more important than the big offices. The the school board are totally neglected and you're concentrating on all the big offices. Who's the governor? Who's our senators? Who is the president? Who's, the, who's on the school board? You have no clue. And that's horrible that we don't know and they have ruined our school systems over the years because we haven't been paying attention. And this right here is telling us that we're supposed to pay attention. Who would have thought that you can be having a Bible study on a Wednesday night in Deuteronomy and it's telling us how important it is that we're involved in our local government and how churches should be very instrumental in providing people that are worthy to be in any of these, whether it's board of supervisors, especially school board, all of those local offices that hardly anybody votes for. Any of those elections that come up, it's, it's like 5% of the voters will turn out to vote for that. So that's all that's 
coming out to put in the leaders that are going to corrupt your kids in schools. And the people that I, I work for, some people who are pretty well off, they, uh, they've done very well for themselves, they got good money, and none of them send their kids to public school. I'm just thinking of all the people that I know, and their kids are amazing. I walk up to their kids, little kids, it can be eight years old, it can be 16 years old, and you walk up to them and they're not shy. They see somebody like me that's quite a bit older than them and they don't seem one bit intimidated and they can carry on a conversation and use words that blow my mind. I don't want to hear them say funner. I, mean, I don't even hear stuff like that. Funner. Gooder. <clears throat> funner. I got my t-shirt. So I, I, I was talking about it last Wednesday, and it shows up today. Funner, and the definition is more gooder than fun. Awesome. But these kids don't use words like that, and they, they're just amazing. I, I can remember uh, coaching a homeschool league for basketball, youth basketball, and... The kids on my team, they were, they were bold and very intelligent. And I, I was blown away by them. Now, not all of them. Not all of them. But I, what I'm saying is uh, there's, some, there's some special need kids that will be homeschooled and they, they struggle or they're just, very, they're just not, they, they don't know how to behave, they haven't been brought up right and they, they just don't fit in the public school system, and the parents pull them out and homeschool them because they don't know, know what else to do. Those, those are in there too, and I dealt with some of those. But for the most part, the kids that I'm talking about are going to maybe North Cross, uh, you know, a private school. They, they are in places where it takes some money for them to go there. Smith Mountain Lake, uh, Smith Mountain uh, Christian Academy is now a big-time school. We have one of our very own here that is going to Auburn Baptist uh, Christian School. Those kids that go to those places outside of the public school system are way better off. And I've seen the proof of it. I've seen it. <clears throat> Okay, all right, let's see here. So, we're not to be respecter of persons, we're not, because, you know, a God-fearing a God person will judge people rightly, and they won't accept bribes, all the things that are talked about right here at the end of 16 of Deuteronomy. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Now, that's worldly stuff. Don't allow worldly stuff to be in the church, is the way you would apply it today. Now, the groves were, they had, I'm not, I don't want to get into it, it's, I think I've touched enough on it, but it gets pretty gross. What, what they, they used, the trees to symbolize and, and what they made these uh, poles of wood to be, it's, 
the pagan stuff that they did was really bad. And when we allow worldly ideas to come into the church, that's why we got to be careful about how we go about building numbers for a church. We can go worldly ways and entertain and come up with all these great ideas where people would be more willing to come. But are they worldly ideas? Or are we depending on the Holy Spirit and prayer? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Are we failing and not praying enough and not, not being solely dependent on the Holy Spirit? And a non-Christian, that makes no sense to them whatsoever. It's, it's, it's fairy tale. It's believing in Santa Claus to them. So do we really believe that the Holy Spirit is doing things when we pray and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit starts moving and convicting hearts? Why do certain people show up here? And we just got to be careful how we do it. Because if we do it worldly way, we could show numbers. There's lots of things that we could do where people will come. They will come but they would be very ungodly things. We could do some ungodly things and people will show up. Um, so we don't want to go there. So don't mix worldly things in with godly things. We've got to be really careful with that. Now, worldly government desperately needs godly things in it, but we can't allow worldly things to come in to us, the, the Christian people. We want worldly people to come in and change and believe. We want the people, but we don't want the, the ways of the world. Neither shalt thou set, up, set thee up any image which the Lord thy God hateth. So that starts, we went out of the feast, the feast of weeks, the feast of tabernacles, all that stuff was in 16, and then we got into government type stuff local government national government now to start uh, chapter 17 thou shalt not sacrifice unto the lord thy god any bullock or sheep wherein is blemish or any evil favoredness or that's be like defectiveness for that is an abomination unto the lord thy god if there be found among you within any of thy gates, there it is again, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant and hath gone and served other gods, little g gods, and worshiped them, either the sun or moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and inquire diligently, and behold, it be true, and the thing certain, that such abomination is wrought in Israel, then shalt thou bring forth that man, or that woman, which have committed that wicked thing, unto thy gates, there it is again, even that man or that woman, and shalt stone them with stones till they die. So that was, uh, you just didn't say, I caught somebody into this, let's stone them to death. They had to go into the gates. 
That would be like going into court. You, they're innocent until proven guilty. That's what we set up in this country. Is it Louisiana that's opposite? I don't know if it still is, but it was under uh, more of a French-type government, and it was guilty, and you had to prove you were innocent. See, a lot of countries, that's the way it is. You're guilty. Now, what can you do to prove your innocence? Well, this is telling us that you notice how much detail was in that you have to diligently inquire and investigate and find out if it's really true, these accusations? So someone does something wrong, you bring them in, and then we're going to read about how many witnesses have to be there to put someone to death. So, so you bring them into the gate, which means you bring them into the system that was set up for them to have a fair trial. All right, where was that? Six? There we go. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So thou shalt put the evil away from among you. You have to get those things that are really, really bad and detrimental to society. They have to be, be dealt with. This is serious right here. This is really serious. But think about... What's going on right now in our country? You go to any major city and crime is soaring. Why? Because you can, they, you can get caught on video and have all kinds of witnesses to what you did and you go before a judge and they send you home. I mean, it's, it's terrible. So that, that encourages all the other people to go out and do even more and more, and, and more bad stuff is being done because people are not being held accountable for the evil things that they're doing. Verse 8, If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, so that's, that could be uh, you know, manslaughter, whatever, just some serious, serious crimes, uh, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, be, you know, just you know, people getting into conflict, being matters of controversy within thy gates, then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt come unto the priest, the Levites, and unto the judge, that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment. So the civil government is supposed to take care of things, but if you get into a situation, and this is really hard, and you can't figure this out, then you go to the religious leaders. But why? Because they know the laws of God and let them, through wisdom, godly wisdom, they will help you do the right things. So, like I said just a little bit ago, the civil government 
should always invite people from the religious side of things in to help. If you go to any major courthouse across America, up until just recently, some have, have taken them down, but you'll see the Ten Commandments hanging in courthouses all across America. Why? Because that's what we based our whole law system was based on God's law. If you went to Washington, D.C. and took a tour, you will see godly things, Scripture, all over the place. And people are desperately trying to get it taken down. But because it's very protected, they can't go in and do it, but they're trying to get it done. But if you pay, if you go to Washington, I've walked Washington, D.C. before, it was many years ago. Uh, it was B.C., before kids. I mean, before children. B.C. And there's all kinds of religious, what we would, you know, most people would say religious references in our nation's capital. Our founding fathers, when they were trying to set up our government, this brand new nation, and when they could not get anything done and they were at each other's throats, somebody would finally say, we have forgotten to involve God in our decisions. And they would bring a minister in. They would pick a minister. And they had to be... They had to be kind of tolerant of each other because there were so many different denominations represented in, in the uh, government. And you had to just kind of lay aside who you would want to come and just let them pick somebody. And God would use that person in a mighty way. And he would come in, give a little sermon. And when I say a little sermon, he probably only went an hour. And then they would have prayer time that might go for another hour you know, just a short little prayer time. And then they were able to get things done. They started, they started to love each other and to see the bigger picture and not just what they wanted, and things were better. And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee, and thou shalt observe and do according to all that they inform thee. So, the religious leaders, they were, the, they were the ones that were more highly thought of. You don't see that today. According to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment, judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do, thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show thee to the right hand nor to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die, and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. And all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. Now, Again, I've already explained all that. I've already explained how people will do more and more wrong when they're not held accountable. If you don't catch them in their evil doings and punish them, and everybody needs to see the punishment. 
Everybody needs to see it. So where was I at? Okay, so I went over all that as far as, um, you know, crime and why it is so rampant in our country because we're not following our Bibles. All right, now let's go to uh, 14. I haven't even looked over here in the Believer's Bible commentary. So, all right, what we're getting ready, yeah, let me go ahead and uh, read 14 because I don't see anything that I can add out of that. I haven't, I haven't read this. I just like to look over there and maybe read because it's real short. It's not a whole lot. Um, it's not even, it's about a half a page worth of stuff out in here on 17. Now, in your scope, if you have a scope field, it, your little heading there will say, Concerning a king. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me, thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. You, you need God to choose your, your leader. One from among, among thy brethren. Now, when we, why is it that in the United States, the president of the United States has to be born in the United States? That's one of the, that's one of the things has to be a certain age, and then has to be born in the United States, and it comes from this right here. Whether that's absolutely necessary, doesn't matter. They're just, just, just be, have confidence and, and think about our founding fathers were using the Bible to set up this country. That's comforting. One from among thy brethren, Shalt thou set king over thee, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, that's a foreigner, which is not thy brother. So that, that's basically meaning somebody that's in your nationality, somebody who was born in that country. Now this was very important to Israel. They were God's chosen people. Now we have all kinds of people in other parts of our government that are from all kinds of different countries. But they probably were reading this, and they said, you know what, let's just do this for president. Maybe they, they just compromised. I don't know. But we do have, but, and we've got to be really careful who we vote for, because we've got some really radical people in, in the House of Representatives and stuff. And, and some of these people are, they hate Christianity absolutely hate it and they've been elected into our government and they want to do everything to destroy Christianity 16 but he shall not multiply horses to himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord hath said unto you ye shall henceforth return no more that way. All right, so anytime you see a reference to Egypt, that's worldly gain. Don't let this person come in and then for the purpose of becoming rich. And that's what most politicians today do. 
All they got to do is just run for president. Just run. And your name's everywhere. And all of a sudden, you're writing a book. And then you're being invited on this. And next thing you know, you got your own show on a, some news station. And you're making millions. And then the millions corrupt your mind. They need to read their Bibles. 17. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. So if you, like Solomon, he married way too many women, and his heart got turned away from the things of God. He, it's, it can be difficult to make one wife happy, right? So if you are, are multiplying wives, you got a bunch of wives, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have big trouble. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. We've already covered that. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. So the horses part would be like a, becoming a military power and wanting to conquer other, other places. And then, um, you know, you got chariots and horses and uh, soldiers. You're, you're going to have to have a military all right, 18 again. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. That's the word of God. So this person that's going to be king over you, he needs to sit down and write all of this down. Don't make copies for him. Make him write it all down. And then he needs to have a copy of the Word of God right there with him all the time. 19, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. You know, a, a Bible that Adrian Rogers said, a Bible that is falling apart... If you have that, then you probably are living a life that is not falling apart. This uh, Bible right here, I, you notice I put it back in the box. When I'm done, I put it back in the box because this is my third Schofield Bible, at least my third. The first one fell apart. The second one started falling apart, and I put it in, back in its box, and it's sitting on my bookshelf at home. And this is my at least third one. And, of course, it's big print. And then I got other Bibles I use. But those first two Schofields, I took to the jail every week, and I never had them in a box. I just carried them. And they, they fell apart. So this one I'm trying to be really, really careful with. And, of course, it's much better than the other ones as far as how it's put together. So, so shall read therein all the days of his life, so we should do the same thing. We should read the Word of God every single day that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, 
to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now that concludes chapter 17. Now I want to show you a couple places, and I'm going to, I'm going to look it up on my phone. I've already got it pulled up to one of them. So in Romans 13, talks about God sets up governments. And we, we will say, well, it must, it's just God's will that such and such president is in there right now. Is it? Did he make it happen? Possibly. But is that always the case? Well, look here. In Hosea chapter 8, verse 4, says... They have Now, this is the prophet Hosea speaking what God is saying, right? These prophets, what was that, God? Okay, and then they told the people. So God is speaking, and God is saying through Hosea, they have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. It was their choosing. <clears throat> what about 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 18. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye, which ye, each and every one of you, voted for this guy, or y'all picked him, ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. So it says, And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you. Now if you go back, if you back up from there, God has told Samuel to warn the people that if they pick a king, this is what's going to happen. And he goes through this list that they are going to take your sons and make them soldiers. They're going to take your daughters and put them in the, I think it says the confectionaries and, the, and be bakers because and, and, they've got to feed all these soldiers. And they're going to take your men servants, your maid servants. They're going to take a tenth of your grain because they got to feed all of this stuff. They're going to. They need officers and they need uh, all the people under them to make all these things happen. He warns them. This is what a king's going to do. If you want to read First uh, Samuel uh, chapter seven and eight, and you can see all of those things. But he's saying that the people chose their king, and they did. God chose David, but the people chose wrongly. We, God lets us. Sometimes that's God's punishment on us by allowing us to pick who we think should be our ruler. We're being judged right now big time, I think. That's my opinion. All right, okay, y'all pick who you want. God's like, yep, and that'll be your punishment. You're punishing yourselves. And God's just up there going, no, I wish you would do it my way, but oh well. Yeah, we do have a free will. God is 
He can be in control of everything. He can make everything happen. But he doesn't. And there's two verses that you can uh, hold on to to help remind you and anybody else who says, well, God's in control of everything, and, and it's just his, his, it's his will that that person's president right now. Mm, I don't know. Read those two verses to them and see if they still have the same thing. It might be God's will. But then he says, you chose them. And he says, you chose them. You have set up kings, not by me. So just something to think about. Uh, I don't want anybody to get to the point where they say, well, God is making everything happen. He's in total control. He is in control overall. We all know what the end's going to be. But the things that happen in the process, we're free to make some really bad decisions. And we're also free to look at the Word of God and make better decisions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that we would hold your word so dear that all of your laws and statutes, your commandments, just your beautiful word that's in our Bibles, Father, I pray that each and every one of us will cherish it, will hold it, will read it, will meditate on it. And Father, that we will be better and better able to minister to others to bring them in to bring them into your ways. Father, things go bad when people do what's right in their own eyes. But Father, we need to be a people that want to do what you say is right. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. In Christ's name we pray, amen.